Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. And welcome to yet another episode of We've Got This Podcast. Us humans have this questionable tendency of jumping from one extreme to another. And we leaped from the nine to five in one room model into anytime, anywhere routine. And it's a little bit like Usain Bolt deciding from one day to the next he wants to do the London Marathon instead of his usual 100-meter sprint. Is it doable? Yes. Advisable? Hardly. And I'm a huge advocate of asynchronous working, but I'll be the first one to say you cannot replace live human interaction because we are pack animals, and even the shyest and the most introverted among us benefit from being around other people. Brainstorming, instant feedback, idea generation, all go way smoother when done synchronously. And if you do the, all those things in person, the results are unrivaled thanks to the combined energy of the people in the room. My name is Lech Zosky and I'm the problem-solving workplace culture designer. And today I'm joined by Emmett Gibney, who is the head of product at Rewardful, a SaaS group company where he leads a team building affiliate program management software for other SaaS businesses. Emmett will share how, together with their team, they realized asynchronous working wasn't engaging enough for them and decided to do something about it. We Got This showcases individuals and organizations that create people-focused workplace cultures to help it become the norm rather than the exception. It's something that will require a mindset shift and probably not something that any of us can do alone. But together, together, we got this. Emmett, welcome to the podcast. Like, thanks for having me. Brilliant, brilliant to have you here. We'll start, start straight away. Usual question for everybody, the rules don't change. When you were little, who did you want to be when you grew up? I think there's, like a, there's a few different sort of iterations of this, but when I think back, like when I was really small, I was, I was pretty obsessed with, with film and television. And so probably something to do with, with making TV shows or movies, whether it was like an actor or filmmaker or something like that. As I got a little bit older, it, it morphed into being more like being a businessman or some sort of entrepreneur. But I've always been really big into, into film and briefly went to, to film school. So there's, there's always been a part of me that's been really interested in the idea of creating something like a visual medium. So. Okay, so you, you had that dream. You actually went and managed to, to do something about it with, with a bit of education. Do you see elements of that dream in who you are, what you do now, or in, day, in, in, kind of day, in a day job or outside of work? A little bit, yeah. Like I've, I've done a little bit of like video creative for some of the like ads that we're, we're doing and like instructional videos for our customers and things like that. Just last week, I, I created a, a new, I don't know if I'd call it an ad creative, but just like content, content marketing type stuff. So like this, this room I've set up is some sort of an attempt to have a semi-professional video backdrop. So, you know, I, I like to, to jump into Final Cut Pro every now and then and, you know, throw together some some stock video and talking head footage of myself. And, you know, it's not the most high leverage thing I could be doing, but it's, it's definitely fun. And I like to do it when I can. Are you saying that the, the room that you're in is semi-professional for those who are listening, I'll, I'll describe 
it's a fantastic looking room. I think you're being way too modest. It's it's more than uh, semi-professional. It definitely belongs on the on the YouTube channel. The light, the lighting, the colors, all all spot on, and the arrangement, fantastic. You said Final Cut Pro. I've never I've never gone into Final Cut Pro, but literally this ju just this weekend that has gone, I've I've discovered I've it doubled with DaVinci Resolve. Okay, I've, I've done a little bit of film editing before, but I had to do some editing of some more heavy duty stuff. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give DaVinci a go. And I have to say, I like it. I like a little bit of a kind of fiddle with, with, with the film and learning. It's sometimes painful because you need to figure out where things go. But godsend, YouTube, absolute godsend. You can find anything and everything there and all the tutorials that you need. Definitely. Yeah, there's, there's something about, and it ties in like more broadly in business, this idea of telling story. And, uh, you know, filmmaking is all about narrative and editing is interesting how you can take opposing footage and, uh, you know, put them together and they somehow have a new meaning, right? And in business and marketing, it's, it's really about like, how are you telling your story in a way that resonates with your customer that, that speaks to them. And so that's the, the piece of it that I think is quite interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. In a way, how to make things engaging, which inadvertently gives us a nice connector segue however you want to call that to why we decided to, to talk today and that is your your story in a way the journey that you've been together on with your with your team of asynchronous working not just not being engaged enough for you but before we dive into all of that maybe a little bit of context in terms of your role as head of product at rewardful and and your team kind of I think that context, that background for the rest of the story will be quite, quite important. If you could tell us a little bit more. Sure. So maybe about a bit of history in terms of how I, how I got to be where I am. And so I guess for now, I'll just focus on sort of my, my time at Rewardful. If you want to go further back, that might add some color as well after, but I've been at Rewardful since March of 2022. So a little bit more than a year. And uh, when I joined Rewardful, there was three developers. The third developer had just joined the CEO, myself, and then a support person who was in the, the Philippines. Certainly in, in my role, I think for the, the CEO, I think definitely for the support person, very asynchronous, weren't really ever on, on calls with each other very much. I think the development team were probably on calls a little bit more regularly than, than we were. But having spoken to Chris, our, our current CTO, Certainly got the impression that that was not a lot. They were, you know, on calls a lot. Fast forward to November 2022, the founders of Rewardful, who had sold their company to SaaS Group, left. They had finished their their sort of, I guess it's an earnout period that they had to be at the company for, and moved on. And myself and Chris Cotton, who's the the CTO at Rewardful, stepped up basically to to run the business in the, in the interim. And uh, one of the first things we did was start implementing more regular in-person, you know, Zoom meetings to actually get to know each other. So regular scheduled calls with the, with the development team, but then also we have, and still, we still do this, but we implemented on Thursday afternoon an all hands call that it also included our support person from the Philippines, Charles, who at that point in time, certainly I got the sense that he was very much operating in his own little isolated island, as it were. 
and uh, you know we can we, we can pull Charles in maybe sometime to, to ask him how he feels. But I get the sense that there's more of the sense that we're part of a team now instead of you know I think when the the business was was set up it was sm- so small, and the founders had full time jobs for I think the first three years of the the company, so everything was kind of set up as contractors. Chris, our current CTO, came on as a as a contractor. Charles as a contractor. And Alan Brady wouldn't have been available for, you know, synchronous calls because they had their day jobs that they had to, had to attend to. So it's kind of natural that that sort of way of working held over even after they had gone full-time. Certainly the first, say, six to eight months that I was at Real Workful, I found that quite challenging. Part of that was a time zone shift thing. It's hard to be synchronous when you're working seven hours difference from each other. But then it's, it's, I certainly found it very difficult to figure out like, you know, what are we supposed to be focusing on and feeling like we're part of a team. And so we, in November of 2022, when we implemented, I see more just scheduled calls with each other, it, it really helped for us to feel like we're actually working for the same company, working towards the same common goal. One thing, because from what you're saying is that, that the asynchronous way of working was part of the DNA because of how the company was set up because people had other full-time jobs and things like that. So it does make sense that it's, it was there. There was no other way around it. And that was kind of baked into it. But then one thing I'm curious about, and I'll play devil's advocate here for a little while purposefully, and that is why didn't you focus on making, because you said, you know, you've got people spread out across multiple times and so make actually working synchronously is difficult in that particular case. And a lot of teams and organizations face the same challenge. So if you already had asynchronous baked into the DNA, why didn't you try and focus on addressing the the challenges that you started to to experience of, you know, people not sure what what's what's going on, what you should be doing and things like that, but still continue in that asynchronous way? Why didn't you want to continue that? In particular? We probably we probably could have. I, I think one of the things that, that happened when, when the founders, Talon, Cal Fox and Brady Cassidy, when they left, that eliminated one time zone. So they're, they're in North America, they're Mountain Standard Time. I'm in Ireland and the, most of the rest of the team are in Central European Time. So basically we're all like, we're all now within an hour or two of Central European Time with the one exception being Charles, our support agent. And so what it did was it made the world a lot smaller. And so opportunistically, it was then much easier for us to like, we have most of the day that we can now have, have calls with each other. So certainly I think like we, we probably could have just maintained a fully asynchronous way of working, but uh, I think a lot of us were just yearning for some human contact. Everyone is, is working remotely. I think pretty much everyone working remotely from home. So they're not, you know, they're not in a WeWork or, or a shared office type of environment. I know certainly personally for me, my world has become much smaller as a result of moving to remote. And that's before Rewardful, you know, when we went to remote because of COVID, my world shrank considerably. And then having children, my world shrank even more, right? So you, you, you don't have a lot of these social outlets that you might've had before. And so, you know, beyond just ways of working, there's also that personal social element of getting to see people, you know, you're one of 
three or four people I will, I will see today because I will be in my little office at home for most of the day. My other trip for the day will be to pick up the, the kids from, from childcare. And that's kind of my routine. So I think, I think pretty much all the team were happy to have, you know, someone to, a human to talk with. And that's, that's part of the, you know, the, the weekly all hands we do is it's not just work talk. So, you know, we, we have kind of the updates we share with the team, Chris and myself. And recently we had a, a CM, CMO join a team named Victoria. And we'll share updates with the rest of the team in terms of the bigger picture things that are going on. And everyone will just share like what they've been working on and challenges that they've been experiencing. But then, you know, if it's an hour long meeting, maybe half of it or three quarters of it might end up just being chit chat about random stuff like, you know, TV shows that people might be watching or talking about sort of inane or innocuous things that are going on in our lives. Like, oh, we, you know, we're sleep training our, our one-year-old right now. And, oh my God, I'm so tired and kind of water cooler talk kind of thing. And, you know, it just gives people an opportunity to, you know, get comfortable with each other, build rapport. You know, it's much easier, I think, to, to collaborate with people if you've got some sort of a sense of rapport. You know, all this, I, I think there's a certain amount of personal preference in this. I think there's other places that do perfectly fine operating in a, in a fully asynchronous environment. But I think certainly personally for me, and I, I think for most of the other team, it's, it's helpful to have a little bit more of that human element. I'm going to take my devil's advocate hat off now, because that's kind of the answer I was, I was hoping for. Because okay. I, as I said in the, in the intro, I'm, a, I'm, I'm genuinely a huge fan of uh, asynchronous working. I'm a huge fan of remote working, but I think we need, we need to balance that because there's a fundamental difference. And I can, I can say this from a, from a designer's point of view, I can say this from a facilitator's point of view, a workshop that I do online versus a workshop that I do in, in, in person with people in the room. Yeah. humongous difference. Yes, it will be longer. You need to get people. It costs more from a point of view. You know, people need to get there unless I'm going into an office. If it's, if it's people who normally work remotely, they have to travel in, you know, the cost amount. And also, it's when, if people are meeting, then there's no point doing a three-hour workshop. Then we're doing a full day. Yeah. That's an additional kind of in, indirect cost. The benefits. Oh, my God. The, the energy in the room. What were the results? What were we able to get out of it? All the intangible things of people interacting with one another and feeding off another one another's ideas is is just simply beyond we're not i don't think we're going to be able to ever replicate that in an, in an online environment yeah despite all the fantastic tools that we've got from miro from butter which i'm still uh, i need to use you guys as a kind of replacement for for zoom i'll take you to see how it works i don't know whether you've ever used it no but the what, what i'm really curious about that in in you know how how, how do we make that work because i think I, I help organizations implement asynchronous working, yeah. but then you, often the expectation is, okay, we're going to move fully async. And no, that's not going to work either. You need to find out what's worth keeping as synchronous and what's not. Team building works asynchronously. It doesn't work asynchronously. Yeah. It has to work synchronously best in person, obvious. But then, you know, trying to, to solve, to work on a project or solve a problem or answer questions in an asynchronous manner, arguably often takes more, longer. Jump on a five-minute call, yeah. fifteen-minute call, done, dusted, rather than bouncing emails or Slack messages or whatever for for three days and trying to do video and you know sometimes we over-engineer things. I think, and that's one thing that I always make make sure that that comes across. That make async what works async, 
and don't try to put a square peg in a round hole. Yeah, I think, I, I, I mean, first off, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think there is a lot of async work that we do do. I think the, the dev team probably skews more on async work. You know, I'm on, I'm on our Slack channel for the dev, the dev team. I see a lot of the conversations that are happening in there. You'll see stuff kind of dropped in there and someone will pick it up later. So it's not necessarily they're answering right away. And then, you, yeah, you do see occasionally it's like, you know, a Zoom link or a Google Meet link gets dropped in there and you can see obviously they've taken the conversation onto a chat to kind of hash out something. So yeah, we definitely will do the same sort of thing. And to your, your point around in-person, like physically in-person, that's just another level that, again, you can't match that even with, you know, Zoom or whatever you're using. We actually, in September, so this would have been before the, the founders of Rewardful left, SaaS or our parent company, had a, an in-person get-together in Lisbon, and they flew everyone in the company that was available around the world to Kashkaish, it's like a suburb of Lisbon, to this really nice resort. And we hung out for four days, and there were some workshops and things like that, but mostly it was just hanging out with people that you've been working with for however long and you've actually never met in person. And I actually think had that not happened before Kyle and Brady left the company, that it would have, there would have been a material difference in terms of the, the remaining team on our, our, our ability to successfully continue with the, uh, with the leadership gone, you know, it would have been a lot harder for Chris and I to basically take over Kyle and Brady's roles if we had no rapport. And because we had spent three or four days getting to, to know each other, we had established that rapport. And uh, it's something that we were, one, we're doing it, we're going to do it again in September, again, for the, the whole SaaS group. But it's something I think internally within our team, within Rewardful, that we'll probably prioritize to try and do at least one other time a year, maybe sort of equidistance, you know, in the middle of the year. So if September, we do it with SaaS group, maybe in March or April, we'll do it just with Rewardful, get everyone together. And again, just for that, that team building. So yeah, it definitely like there's certain environments where, where async can be quite useful, but I think it, I think it also breaks with certain scale and certain types of work. Like, you know, our customer base, we have a lot of people are, who are in kind of that indie hacker community and the culture there, it's very sort of self-sufficient. I think it also skews, generally speaking, reasonably young and reasonably male. And so their priorities are different. They're looking for freedom to travel and sort of be digital nomads. And you, you see them espouse the, the value of asynchronous work, the way they might work with people with, again, would be more in like this contractor type relationship. So they're not looking to build teams. They're just looking to build products and, and support a certain kind of lifestyle. But if you want to move beyond that, build a team and something that's a little bit more self-sustaining and that can scale, then you have to move beyond pure async. You have to be able to build rapport with people to establish what your, your common goals are. And it's hard to do that with people if you're operating in this kind of like very modular kind of way where, oh, you're a contractor and I could just swap you out for another contractor. No, it's, I couldn't swap you out because you and I have this rapport that we've built. And I think that's kind of where the limits of asynchronous work kind of, yeah, that's where asynchronous work meets its limits, I think. 
Yeah, the the element the, that you mentioned about contractors, I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that because in many industries, many organizations, considering the, the, the economic situation that we're in, it's more sustainable for organizations. And, and I get that. But I think that we also need to have something around that to, you know, to make it feasible for, for the contractors as well. So that, you know, a contract doesn't get pulled from one day to the next because it, yeah. it doesn't provide the stability, right? So contractors, external consultants and so on, we need to, because I'm in that category, we need, we need to build our businesses differently as well. No, but I think we're going to be seeing more of that, not just for the roles, kind of really specialist roles, but more and more kind of less expert roles, yeah. more closer to what would be normally an employee in an organization. And I think that's the kind of direction where we, we will be going towards, especially with the slightly smaller organizations to keep them nimble with a, with a core group. You're right. There, there are a lot of people who want async. And as I said, I'm a massive favor of, of that because we need that flexibility. We need that freedom to decide. And there is a way of combining that with the team building element, the kind of that engagement that you mentioned as well, because nothing, nothing beats that. I'll, I'll never forget times when I used to work for, for a company in the UK with headquarters in, in, in France. And I'd be emailing, this was before Zoom <laughs> many, many years ago. And I would be emailing with a person backwards and forwards about a project. And, you know, it's always strange when you'd never met that person, maybe you spoke to them on, on the phone. And the huge difference once you've met them, you met them in real life yeah. because they come over to, to your office, you went over to, to, to their office or whatever, and it's a completely different interaction. Now you, you know who that person is, yeah. You're not just a photo, you know who they are, how tall they are, how, what, what age they are, whatever, and you know, what the sound of their voice is in real life rather than through some wires. Yeah. It, it, you know, the relationship takes a different level and the, the rapport that you mentioned is the next, the next level from, from that. The things that you've mentioned in terms of what you started seeing at Rewardful that made you realize that you want to move away from that asynchronous model, there were included, you included mentioned, you mentioned things that around the, the connection part, of course, and as well as, you know, the, the strategy of, you know, what should I be working on, what, what's going on? Yeah. What, are, what were some of the other signals that made you think, actually, this probably would be better if we do it synchronously? I think that somebody we said for engagement, like just actually like feeling motivated, just by personal experience, I, I definitely feel a lot more engaged now and into my, my work than I was before. You know, apart from feeling very impersonal, it's, it's hard to feel motivated if you're kind of off in your own little silo. Mm -hmm. uh, I think also there's less opportunity to get feedback on the, the work that you're doing. It can be very easy to go off in your own direction in an async type of environment. There's not sort of more short-term opportunity for, for course direction that you might be going really far off in the wrong direction. But, uh, you know, if, if you're working with someone more closely, you can, um, and that's not just in a, you know, you know, manager, you know, report type relationship, even in a collaborative environment to, to get more feedback more regularly, I think is, is quite valuable. And I, I think I definitely felt that previously where you might not find out that you've gone off in a, on a direction that is not the direction that your manager was was looking for until you got quite far in in the in the wrong direction. But I think feeling engaged is is probably one of the the big things, and that again can be quite 
a problem which you try to scale beyond any kind of certain size. Because as a manager, it can be very difficult then to figure out like, well, who's engaged and who's not engaged. And if you're not having regular check-ins with people and you can't, there's a certain fidelity of communication that you miss out on if you're just talking to people on Slack or, or email. You can't read body language and things like this to try and get a sense of how engaged is, is this person. And th- th- those would be kind of the key elements, I think, that, that I'd highlight for sure. How did you identify, maybe too strong a word, but how did you decide which things to move from asynchronous to synchronous? You, you said about introducing some meeting, all hands and things like that. Were they just kind of gut feelings or like, let's start with this, let's do that? Or did you, did you do any type of kind of data research or anything or even discussions with your team? What is it that we should do more synchronously? No, I think it was pretty gut level. Now, that being said, like we, we didn't in, introduce much. Like to, to start, all we did was on Tuesday mornings, we have a product meeting. And that's with myself, CTO, and the rest of the, devel- the development team. And we basically just go through our, our backlog and, and look at, you know, what's being worked on now, what's going to be worked on shortly, you know, what items need more description, just kind of getting a pulse of what people are, are working on. And that's just like a 30 minute meeting. Sometimes it'll, it'll roll over if we've got bigger things to kind of dive into. But uh, so we have that meeting on Tuesday and then on Thursday we have the all hands, which is an hour long. And that's just like, that's a broader, a broader audience. We didn't want to introduce like a bunch of different meetings. So for example, one of the things that a lot of development teams might have is like a morning standup every morning, you know, 15 minute meeting, you get together and everyone has to be at the same place, same time, uh, or the same, you know, chat room or whatever, and to go over what you're working on, what your blockers are, et cetera. We didn't want to add that level of overhead to the team. Another one, a common one would be like, you'd have like a Friday retrospective or, you know, some sort of demo meeting where people present their work. Again, we, we didn't want to add a, too much overhead, you know, particularly because, you know, despite the fact that we wanted to have a little bit more contact with people, everyone is, I think, pretty deliberately sought out remote work. And there are a lot of just personal benefits of having remote work. You know, the flexibility that, for example, um, I think most, not, uh, not everyone, but I think most of the team have families and, uh, you know, what that does is it limits what you can do in the evenings. So for example, evenings and weekends are out, out of the question for me. I can't, I can't do anything that is not directly related to my family. Basically, there's just not time. And so what that means is during the week, I have opportunity to do like, you know, go to the dentist or, you know, getting my haircut or whatever, right? These types of little life things. Go to the gym, getting some exercise. Can't, can't do that any other time. And so to have that kind of flexibility for people to do that kind of stuff during the day, and that means if your day, if your, if your week or your days are just filled with a bunch of pre-scheduled meetings, you have the flexibility to, to do that kind of stuff. Like what I'll do yesterday, I had two hour break. I took in the middle of the day so that I could go and get some exercise for the, you know, once or twice a week, I'll actually get to exercise. And then in the evening, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do some additional work. And so if you've got a day, a day or a week, just, just full of pre-scheduled meetings, you can't, you can't do any of that kind of stuff. So it's a somewhat long-winded answer to your question, but no, we, we didn't, we didn't survey the team. You know, we, we didn't look up what are, you know, best practice in terms of ways of working for remote teams or anything like that. We just added what we thought was a couple of sensible options for our team. 
And, uh, you know, even like the, the weekly all hands initially, it was, you know, tried to have some, you know, strictly structured agenda that quickly kind of went by the wayside and it's kind of a fairly free flowing, loose sort of meeting. And it's a bit more touch points with people, but there's, you know, we're far from scientific and in, in our approach and how we're doing things. That's for sure. It's it's that it's that flexibility I think that we 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 crave so much that you yeah. that you've mentioned that you you have the ability of you know building things around if you don't have forty meetings a week and I've I've seen some calendars of of my friends and and other people that you know work full time jobs in in companies large and small and I, I see and it's literally back to back meetings five yeah. days a week and I'm thinking, when when do you actually get to do work, work. yeah you know for, yeah. for some people actually being in meetings is is their work it's genuine because that they've got that role they you know yeah. they, they coordinate things they discuss things and that's genuinely is meant to be their job fair enough but there's lots of people who are like imagine developers if you drag them into every single meeting when the hell would they code they, they wouldn't or what, what some some do those who are a little bit more senior and they are being dragged into to business meetings they they are half there i always i always think yeah. because they are on their laptop coding quite often yeah or testing something right because they need to do that as well because something's just fallen over in production and they need to be there and but they can't get out of that meeting so i think it's that that balance that that we're seeking and i'm glad that you you said that there was a long-winded answer i think it was a fantastic answer because i'm, I'm and i'm really glad that you didn't do any research because it's very easy to get to a state of analysis, paralysis by analysis that we, you know, we do so much research and, you know, we try and make it perfect and whatever. No, actually, when you're starting off with certain things, not all, but certain things is that just go with your gut, do, 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 and, and then tweak as you go rather than trying to make it perfect before you release it. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. And you were in in a in a, such a lucky situation, I would say, from employees' point of view and your point of view, is that everybody wanted it. They they sought out remote work, but they recognised that doing everything asynchronously just doesn't work. We need to change this a little bit. Yeah, and it was relatively seamless from from what from what it seems. What would you say? What would you suggest to organisations who are in a similar situation where somebody in your position wants to introduce more synchronous stuff? With genuinely good intentions, the same intention as yours, but there's pushback from the team that, oh, this is about control. They're, they're trying to rein us in. What the hell's going on? You know, all sorts of pushback that you might imagine in this situation. Any suggestions based on your experience that you, you would give somebody in your, in your position in another company in such a, such a situation? It's a tough one. Like the, the, the existing culture and, and, character or personalities of the the team makes a huge difference you know if, if people are are really really opposed to it it's, it's it's tough like we were lucky in that you know everyone was more or less on the same page and it's not just for like async or sync working it's also like remote versus in person before working for room before working for rewardful i worked for chartered accountants ireland which is a we were mo- remote purely because of COVID. We would not have been remote otherwise. It's not that kind of place, that kind of culture. I think they really struggled with remote as a, as a culture and it, and it, and it showed. And on the flip side, like if you are in a heavily remote or even to the very extreme, like a heavily asynchronous environment, it's, it's hard to, 
it's really hard to change that because you know it's kind of like if if you have if you have kids if you set certain expectations that you get certain things and you view certain things as positive or benefits or whatever to to take those back or if you're if you're doing something that is perceived as taking something back that's there's sort of this implicit social contract so if you've got you know a developer or designer or or someone it's going to be it's going to be someone who's an individual contributor who's going to yeah. struggle with this most, right? Because their work lends itself best to asynchronous work. If you're someone who's in a more collaborative role, you're more than more than likely you're going to be comfortable with moving to a more synchronous and collaborative type environment. I think that the the challenge and the thing you need to do is figure out, well, how do I sell this to this person as it's a benefit that I'm not taking away some sort of benefit or they're not I'm not adding some additional obligation to you that, you know, I, I've, I've changed the sort of implicit social contract or, or contract of, of your employment. Um, that's the kind of stuff that I think people can get pretty, pretty sticky about, you know, how you do that for your specific environment really, it depends on, on who you're dealing with and, and, uh, you know, what, what makes them, what makes them tick, you know, what the, the sort of thought process that always goes in my mind. And this is probably a sort of, a, I guess as a new parent is like, you know, carrots and sticks, you know, as much as possible use, use carrots, but you know, in, in some cases you'd have to use the, use the stick. And so that's the, I guess the, the point around, like, what are the, the carrots that's gonna, that are gonna work for this particular employee or employees that are, are resisting this sort of new way of, of working and, uh, you know, try and stick to that. If, if at all possible, right? I'm trying to think of examples. Like you said, we had the benefit of we didn't have really anyone that was giving resistance to that. And maybe part of that is that like we didn't make a drastic change. It, it wasn't like suddenly like you you got to have every day a meeting at this time. It's it's a small ask, you know. On Tuesday it's half hour meeting. On Thursday it's an hour long meeting. I the other thing again, this is down to that culture piece. Is at my last job. We had something similar. We had, and I think it was also on Thursday actually, afternoon, ironically, and it was kind of like this, I think they called it like coffee and beer or whatever. And our team got together and we had, you know, a team's chat and everyone was up there and it did not feel the same. And, you know, you didn't get in the same sense of rapport that you didn't get the sense that people, you know, wanted to, to be there or that they were kind of getting a benefit from this. And maybe that was just down to like, People didn't like working there as much as they like working here kind of thing. You know, maybe mm-hmm. that's kind of the baseline. Like there's just some foundational stuff that goes to this. Like if people like working, just generally speaking, where they're working, they don't view these types of, of sessions, if you want to call it that, as cynically. You know, I've definitely been in places where I would have viewed this this type of thing kind of cynically that it's like, you know, well, these are my friends. I might hang out with these people and, and that kind of thing. So it's, it's tough. Like, I, I don't think there's a silver bullet, but again, like you just got to make it feel like you're not taking something away from someone or mm-hmm. you're not foisting some new obligation and it probably needs to be kind of piecemeal a little, little bit at a time, but don't try and make any broad sweeping changes. That'd be my thought. I think you're, you're spot on with that. It's often something foundational, you know, if people enjoy themselves working at the organization, they're not going to be a, a cynical. There's, there's a lot to be said for 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 themes like that i would call them because i've i've seen firsthand quite a few times actually when even a subtle a subtle change as you did where you introduced two meetings yeah with the best of intentions 
I've seen these to go haywire. Yeah, w within within organization or create so much resistance that you wouldn't imagine that you'd think you know somebody was all of a sudden being dragged into the office seven days a week. Yeah. To to me, this connects to that foundational element that you've mentioned. To me, that's those are indicators of two things, very broadly speaking, just now on the spot. One is it's a signal you might be doing something wrong that goes up against the organizational DNA, culture, whatever, and that's not of the social contract that you mentioned. So that's that's a clue for you to double check what it is that you're doing, why you're doing it, how you communicate and so on. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is that if you do get so much pushback to on the surface and innocent, innocent change, I would say, uh, big but relatively innocent, like adding two meetings, and you get so much resistance, you've got deeper problems yeah. within your organization. Yeah. Either either people are not enjoying themselves working there and they just can't be bothered, even though they're not contractors but full-time employees, yeah. or there's a toxic environment and any type of, and the relationship be between employees and leadership team teams is broken. Because when when leadership, there's, of, there's often situations like that, the leadership genuinely wants to make things better, best possible intentions, are transparent, they're open about everything, and it falls flat because it's coming from the leadership team, therefore it's rubbish. Yeah. If that same initiative came from somebody else within the organization, a different department, different group, it would be welcomed with open arms. And I think that's, those are the kind of two things that if, if whether it's, moving away a little bit from asynchronous to synchronous working or any other change yeah. of ways of working that resistance definitely that that's something to to look out for yeah yeah it, there's things like that that like you said depending on who's who's presenting the idea etc can make a difference in terms of will this be viewed cynically or not you know so yeah i think that definitely makes a big difference for sure absolutely absolutely you've done that you've been working more synchronously you've you've started some initiatives have you got any other initiatives planned to around the way that you work, whether asynchronously or synchronously in the coming months? Not really in terms of the, the ways of working, but I, we're going to have to change the way we're, we're working. How exactly? I'm not 100% sure yet. So, and the reason for that is we're adding people. I can't remember where this came from. I heard it on a podcast a long time ago, the CEO of Evernote, a guy named Phil Libin. He's not the CEO anymore, but he was the CEO before he was the founder. And uh, he had gotten this advice from somewhere. And he basically said that like, every time you triple your headcount, everything breaks in terms of the way you work and so forth, right? And uh, so, you know, you go from one person to three, everything breaks. You go from three people to nine or 10, everything breaks. You go from 10 people to 30, everything breaks. You go from 30 to around 90 or hundred, everything breaks. And so when the founders of the company left, there was only four of us. And one of us was in the Philippines and no one really ever talked to him. Um, and now we're at seven people and Charles is, you know, in, included in the weekly call. So he's part of the team now. And we're adding, we're looking to add at least one, if not two more people within the the next couple of months, you think, oh, one or two people, it's not a big deal. But, you know, our team has in a short period of time gone from four people to, to nine. And, you know, before it was like everyone was in development. So we had four developers and myself, I'm head of product, but I'm also a hobbyist developer. Our support, DJ Charles, he's very technical. So we had a very technical male team. And then we've since hired a CMO. Victoria, who's, who's a woman, and we're looking to hire 
two more people in potentially in marketing, reasonably good chance, at least one, if not both of those could, could end up being women as well. And so just the, the ways in which people communicate and the way we work, we have more people, more people in different departments, skill sets. At some point in time, does this weekly get together, you know, all hands meeting, does that stop working in quite the same way? Does that meeting need to be something different or does it need to be run differently? So we have lots of questions in terms of, you know, how we're going to have to work. How does that change? No answers yet, but the way we've kind of done things and we've been able to, we've been able to do that so far is kind of just roll with the punches and, and take things as they come. You know, when you're a team of seven people, that kind of thing works a little bit more, but that's something that also probably needs to be more deliberate as well as really thinking more about the, the way that we work and not just, we've been very focused, I guess, on, around culture fit and, and feeling like, you know, people fit in and, and be able to contribute. But we're going to have to start thinking more about, you know, how do we, how do we work together? Does it continue to work as we add more people? Definitely. Let me, in that case, ex ex extend an offer to, to you to help you out with that, because that's something that I quite often do, I quite often see, first of all, where as much as it is great to have organizations do things naturally and, in, and based on their intuition, you do need to have that element of intentionality and yeah. at one point sooner or later at different stages of your organization yeah organization's life simply to okay, okay let's sit down let's agree that this because what what you what you're saying here to me just rings bells in terms of charters you just need yeah. a, a team an organizational charter and it has to it doesn't have to be anything that's complicated but it's 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 a couple of meetings where you sit down together and agree listen this is how we want to run things or at the very least for the next three to six months this yeah. is how we want to run things because we want to test them based after those six months we will change that and that's something that i i do regularly with teams so officially extending this this offer to you to help you out with that because it is really really important especially as you say when you 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 change in this in that that you bring not just new people but new departments yeah therefore new personalities different skill sets different mindsets because if you're a developer you're one type of person and if you're a marketer you're a different type of person and it's it's great that we are that but we need to make this work for for our teams and it's really really important so you've got that. That's an exciting period that you've got ahead of you. Anything else that you, you're really looking forward to in the next few months? Personally, professionally, anything that you, you can't, can't, can't wait for it to come to fruition or for, for it to happen? I think, well, we've got our, our annual get-together in September. It's called SAS Grouping, and that's where everyone from the SAS Group gets together. This year, we're going to Barcelona, or I think it's technically like sort of a resort, like half an hour outside of Barcelona. So that'll be really good. Great opportunity to like meet more people that we haven't met in person. So, you know, we've, we've basically doubled more than doubled the team of people that will, will be meeting in person. Um, so looking forward to that. That was a lot of fun last year. You know, it's been 20 or so years since I've been to Barcelona. So looking forward to, to getting there. Unfortunately for one of our team members, he lives in Barcelona. So he doesn't, he doesn't get to travel anywhere, oh. <laughs> anywhere new. So I'm sure he's disappointed by that. Although I'm sure he's not disappointed by the fact that he won't have to fly anywhere. And uh, yeah, we we got some cool things in the, the pipeline in terms of product development. Not a lot I can kind of publicly share right now, but you know, for any customers out there looking to, you know, set up a, an affiliate program for their, for their SaaS business or basically any business that uses Stripe or Paddle for payments, if you want to set up a, a affiliate program or customer referral program, you know, check us out. And uh, yeah, we've, we've got some cool stuff coming down the pipeline in terms of the product. 
Emmett's links will be included below in the in the description for anyone who does want to to reach out. And I highly suggest you do that, whether it is for affiliate programs, anything to do with that, or just a virtual coffee to to pick pick Emmett's brain on how how you did things. Because the way the way you've you've done things within Rewardful, moving from asynchronous, why you moved. I think there's a lot to be learned from that because a lot of organizations are struggling with that and potentially maybe not even aware of the fact that, you know, engagement is or has taken a little bit of a nose dive. That's something that we need to keep an eye on. Emmett, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to join us here today. Thanks, Luck. Thanks. Appreciate it. And it's good to be here. Before you go, a usual reminder about culture micro practices. If you are on the lookout for small, often quirky, sometimes unconventional ideas to inspire change in your organization, then I highly recommend the culture micro practices, which you can find on human PM forward slash CMP, CMP for culture micro practices. Those are things that will help you encourage collaboration, promote psychological safety. Uh, they range from small check ins to mini workshops that you can run with your organization throughout a different culture building block themes as always if you've enjoyed this podcast if you enjoyed this show give those like and share buttons a little tickle so that it helps us spread the word and reach people in in your networks as well i was your host lev Kuzowski. until next time